Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. We've got a doubleheader to talk about. The final, Game 1, Parts 1 and 2 from Progressive Field. It's the Dodgers 6, the Guardians 1. Game 2, it's the Dodgers 9, the Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. However, however, I, I told you Tuesday night when we beat the Dodgers, for one night only we were kings of the world, and boy did we come crashing back down to earth because the Dodgers kick our butts over the next two games. I mean, they really outhit us. They really outclass us. Over the next two games, they they kind of let us know our place in Major League Baseball over the next two games. They, there's a reason they are contending for a World Series this year, and we're probably not. And, you, I mean, you can just see it in their lineup. I, I know they've been kind of decimated by injuries on the pitching side, but, I mean, you can see it on their lineup, right? I mean, it's the top of their lineup, no matter what configuration they go with. But, I mean, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman alone at the top of the lineup are devastating. I mean, absolutely devastating. They go, uh, Betts goes five for five in game one of the doubleheader, the game two of the series. Freeman goes three for five. Uh, In the next game, uh, game three, Betts goes two for three. And Freeman goes two for four. Like, we just... We could not get those guys out. We couldn't. Uh, They really, really are a problem at the top of that lineup. And, I mean, they didn't even do it with home runs. They were just hitting, hitting, man. Just absolutely hitting some doubles. Just absolutely crushing our pitching. We tried. I mean, we threw everything. We threw the kitchen sink at Mookie Betts. And he would just... He would be patient. He wouldn't chase. If he did chase, he would foul it off to keep the bat alive. And then lace a double off the wall. You know, like you just, you could not get these guys out. Uh, You know, Quan and Ramirez at the top of the lineup are, I hate to say it, are kind of the junior version of this, right? Like Quan and Ramirez at the top of our lineup are two tough outs. I think you ask any pitcher in Major League Baseball, they'll say that those guys... They're tough. They put the ball in play, right? They they have great eyes, great patience. They follow follow pitches off when they have to. But Betts and Freeman are like the all-star MVP version of that. Whereas, you know, Quan and Ramirez, they're they're good, but they're not at, we're not at that level yet. We're not. Um where people fear the lineup turning over. Uh, like they do against the Dodgers. I, I, it was it was a problem. Every time they got some guys on and turned the lineup over, it was a problem. So, all right, we're going to talk a little bit of detail in these two games. And then I'm finally going to answer Jeff and Palo Alto's question. And we're going to take a look at the rookies. I got fan graphs pulled up. Everything's updated. We're going to take a look at how the rookie pitchers are doing, who's excelling, who's falling behind as far as those rookies go. So, uh, game one, again, they jump out early. It's not a home run this time, but my God, that's five days in a row, right? Uh, in the few innings that are played Tuesday night. And I know there's controversy about when the tarp is pulled and things like that. And Dave Roberts was fuming. And I, I, honestly, I understand because I, anyone who's uh, anyone who's played old man softball with me knows that I hate rainouts. 
I hate them. I, maybe because I played football in high school, but I have that mentality of basically, unless it is a monsoon, we should be out there playing. And uh, a little rain didn't hurt anybody. That's, that's my philosophy. So I understand why Dave Roberts was so pissed about these rainouts and about them pulling the, tur- t- the tarp when it was, uh, you know, when it wasn't raining yet. Uh, the thing that the thing that drives me insane is when it rains on a Saturday night, and then you wake up Sunday morning. They call the games because of the field conditions, but it's just it's beautiful sunshine, sunshine Sunday morning. So you're standing there, you're walking the dog, and it's a beautiful morning, and you can't play baseball. And Dave Roberts is standing there. The sun is shining on him. And they're pulling the tarp, and he can't play baseball. His team can't play baseball and finish the game. I get you, Dave Roberts. I feel you. Um, all right, so uh, Xavier Curry uh, gives up three runs in the first inning. And, I mean, already the Dodgers lineup is is responding to what you did Tuesday night. All right? Already they are uh, a couple of doubles, a couple of singles to kick off the game from Betts and Freeman. Will Smith with a sack fly, then doubles from Muncie and Enrique Hernandez. And, uh, man, they just really pound Xavier Curry to start this game. Um, I believe, let's take a look at where uh, these hits come from, but I think it was a lot of middle-of-the-plate stuff. Uh, nah, it's kind of all over. Muncie goes down and gets a slider for his double. Uh, it was a slider that was kind of up to Enrique Hernandez that he hits for his double. Uh, Freeman jumped on an inside fastball. Betts took a... So a lot of sliders got hit. Okay, three of these hits uh, in that first inning were all sliders. So uh, not getting the slider out of the zone, not hitting a spot with the slider, and giving up a lot of hits for Xavier Curry. So who knows if he would have settled down like the rest of the rookies had, um, you know, throughout this week, throughout this homestand. It uh, seemed like everybody gets shelled in the first inning and then throws a bunch of zeros up on the board after that. But he only gets to go two innings because of the rain delay. So, uh, you know, I thought our bullpen did an okay job coming out, uh, you know, the next day and uh, throwing up some zeros on the board. Uh, they do get one in the fourth. Uh, they add two more off Heron in the uh, eighth inning where he has to battle Mookie Betts with the bases loaded. And that was the, that was the at bat that really man watching Mookie work, uh, and then he laces that double off the wall, scores two runs. That it was an impressive at bat from Mookie. I'm not gonna lie there. Uh, and uh, I think the thing in this this the restart of the game is the Guardians had an opportunity uh, in that third inning. I, I think a big a big pivot point was. Jose Ramirez gets on with a walk, a two-out walk. Ramon Laureano gets on with a two-out walk. Oscar Gonzalez is up with runners on. He's got a chance, right? We we have a chance to jump on them early and get back in this game. And uh, unfortunately, he strikes out. Uh, he strikes out Oscar Gonzalez. He goes to his bullpen, right? He started a lefty. Goes to his bullpen to have a right-on-right matchup. So already he's burned through a pitcher. And at this point, you know, nobody knows how many pitchers it's going to take to get through this game. So Robert's going to the bullpen this quick. Uh, 
an interesting coaching decision, right? Managing decision, but it pays off. Uh, he actually lays off the slider away. Lays off two sliders away. So Gus Varland comes back with some fastballs. Uh, throws him a fastball up and away that he fouls off. Throws him a fastball at the knees that he takes for a called strike. If I remember, he wasn't too happy about this call. And then he chases one up in his ear. I mean, he swings at one way up out of the strike zone to strike out with those runners in scoring position. It was a big at-bat for Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, he's constantly being put in these situations. Batting fourth, batting third, he's going to be up with runners on. He's going to be up in RBI situations. And my God, it's just been a really, really rough stretch for Oscar Gonzalez. In fact, what is he... I'm just curious. What is he hitting lately? Uh, that would be good to know. Because I I get that Francona wants him to be... <laughs> wants him to succeed at this level and like is giving him the at-bats and giving him the opportunities. But again, with no one, with no one to kind of carry that load in the lineup without Naylor there. Uh, it's it's a lot on his shoulders. Over his last seven games, Oscar Gonzalez is hitting 111 with a 333 OPS. Over his last 15 games, he's hitting 196 with a just over 500, a 528 OPS. So yeah, uh, it is. it has been some... Big, big struggles for Oscar Gonzalez lately. And I thought that was a big moment. We we had a chance to be the first team to score on the restart. And he can't come through there. They do jump on us for a run in the fourth. You know, Sandlin tries to go two innings. Can't get there. And then the big hit from Mookie Betts. And then the offense just goes ice cold. Ice cold. Four hits over the two days. Just brutal. So that's game one. Uh, game two, Gavin Williams has an okay start, but my God, do things get out of hand in that fifth inning, right? They're chipping away at him. They get two in the third uh, to tie the game. We can't win the inning. We do score first in this game. We do. We scored two in this bottom of the second inning. Uh, a nice little a nice little rally there in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, two out hits from, Ar- sorry, not two out hits. Wow. Uh, leadoff hits from Arias and Brennan. Freeman would strike out, but Bo Naylor with a uh, a double uh, into the corner would score those runs. Uh, and so, yeah, we got two runs on the board. Quan, for whatever reason, with Bo Naylor standing there on second base, decides to try to bunt the ball. And it looks like he's trying to bunt for a base hit. Uh, somebody on the Dodgers had done this in the previous game where with the lefty on the mound, they bunt towards second base with the second baseman back. It's pretty much no man's land, and it's an easy base hit. Quan tries that same thing here, I, but I don't know why. I, this is an RBI situation here from Quan. We want Quan swinging. We want him to lace a, you know, lace a single in the left field and uh, get that runner in. Um but instead, he's bunting here, and this it does. I the emailers were angry. The Guardians' Twitter was angry. This bunting has to stop. It has to. I understand you're trying to catch pitchers off balance. You're trying to take advantage of a second baseman playing very deep, but it has to stop. Um, so uh, the inning ends there, and then they immediately respond because they turn the lineup over: a double from Enrique Hernandez, single from Mookie Betts, then a double from Freddie Freeman. Uh, and they get the uh, two runs across. 
Um, so he, you know, he leaves Sandlin in a little too long and he ends up giving up, uh, I'm sorry, Gavin Williams. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm getting my games mixed up. Gavin Williams gives up two runs. They answer right back in the top of third. So I can't say the Guardians won the inning. Bottom of the second to top of the third. It's a 2-2 draw. They add another in the fourth. And then the fifth inning, things really get out of control. Look, he loads the bases up. And they go out there and talk to him. A single from Mookie Betts, a single from Freddie Freeman, a walk to David Peralta, loads him up. And they go out there and talk to him. And I thought for a second, I thought he was going to have one of those Shane Bieber-esque escape innings where he just gives him everything he got. He knows it's his last inning. The bases are loaded. And he works his way out of it. He gets Max Muncy to hit into a force out. He grounds the ball to first. They come home with it. Get the force out. Don't give up a run. They get it out. Now you get you know, a double play could get you out of the inning. Strikeout can still help here. Jason Hayward pops one up to center field. Nobody was going to advance. Nobody was going to be able to score. Score Instead, Ramon Laureano comes charging in at full speed. It just bounces in and out of his glove. A bad error there. Uh, Arias with a heads-up play. Or is it Jimenez? Jimenez with a heads-up play gets it. And fires home because the runners weren't going anywhere. With the bases loaded, you still have the force on. So he fires home. And again, one of the email Marlon pointed out in his email that uh, maybe Bo Naylor was worried about blocking the plate because these catchers have kind of been instructed to not block that plate on plays at the plate. But it's a force out. So if he just has his foot on the base and if he just plays it like a first baseman, I think we get the out. But instead, he tries to drop the tag on him, and the foot gets in there. The slide gets in there. I believe it was Freeman. Uh, no, it was Mookie Betts coming in to score. It must have been. Uh, no, Mookie Betts was forced out at home, so it is Freddie Freeman. Uh, I knew I was remembering correctly. And Freeman gets his foot in there and scores. Um, so they end up with a run out of the play, then Outman with a single, and then uh, a sack fly from Bush, and they just keep adding on in this inning. Uh, and yeah, so, uh, Gavin Williams doesn't quite make the escape, uh, we were all hoping, but, uh, obviously some of those are unearned runs, uh, but still it's a pretty ugly line for Gavin Williams, four and a third, eight innings pitched, seven runs, five earned, two walks, five strikeouts. He does give up a, uh, a home run in this game on 96 pitches. He's hard hit seven times. Hunter Gaddis comes in after him to just eat the rest of the innings and uh, also was hard hit seven times. So 14 hard hit balls by the Dodgers in this game. They also chip away at Hunter Gaddis, add two more runs off of him, including a solo home run. Uh, So 14 hard hit balls for the Dodgers on the day where the Guardians offense is only able to muster seven. So you can really see uh, the the Dodgers going to work uh, against us. Enrique Hernandez had himself a good game. He he was three for five, batting eighth. He was three for five with two doubles and a home run. He kind of had himself a monster game there. Uh, Michael Bush gets the first home run of his career uh, to center field. Uh, so yeah, uh, they uh, uh, the Dodgers' offense was too too much in this game. And again, uh, we get ten hits, but my God, this second game. Uh, it's bad. Uh, we go with runners in scoring position. We go one for eight with runners in scoring position. The Dodgers, the Dodgers go two for 14. Doesn't look that great. The error helps, 
But still, it's enough to get the job done, right? The solo home runs are obviously hits without runners in scoring position. Um, it's enough to get the job done. Uh, it's amazing the difference that'll make there. Two for 14 versus uh, one for eight uh, is the difference between a nine to three win. So uh, I don't want to belabor these games too much. I mean, frankly, the Dodgers are just better than us right now. This this lineup just... Uh, Gabriel Arias has a really strong second game. He goes three for four with two runs scored and a solo home run to center field. He does mash one. Let's check the numbers. Let's give him some credit here. A home run and lead off the eight inning. 107.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 23 degree launch angle, 425 feet to dead center field, 28 out of 30 ballparks. That was a monster, monster shot. And uh, let's pull up the at-bat. Where did he hit this one? Uh, Man, he worked a long at-bat. This is an eight-pitch at-bat. He fouls off four pitches in the middle of this at-bat after being down 0-2. And uh, Pepit, Pepiot, I don't know, Ryan Ryan P., I'll call him, uh, was just pounding the strike zone with fastballs and sliders and just absolutely pounding. And then after a changeup down and away that he lays off, he doesn't chase out of the zone. He comes back and gets a high fastball middle of the plate, and he does a great job of elevating it, but not just flying it, you know, hitting a line drive, elevating it with authority, obviously at 107.5 miles per hour. Um, Some serious authority there, the third hardest hit ball on the day. Um, and that's great to see from Gabriel Arias. So I don't know if you saw this, but Rokio got sent down. They actually, I can't believe this. They activated, um, Cam Gallagher off of the, uh, concussion IL. They're keeping Eric Haas and Cam Gallagher. I thought for sure Haas would have been out of here or Gallagher, but they're keeping both. And they sent Rokio back down. So that means Arias is going to get a long run here at shortstop over the rest of the season. Unless something shifts there in the next few days. I'm sure Tyler Freeman will spell him at times when Arias moves over to first base. But Arias is going to get a long run here at shortstop. And so it's nice to see him to come out and have a big day. It's so nice to see Arias and Bo Naylor's batting averages over 200. Like it was, it, I want to defend them as players. And I want to give them a big chance here. But it's really hard to do that when they're batting under 200. So it's nice to see their batting averages. I can't believe I'm saying this. Up over 200. Uh, We'll see where they end up. Again, it's not about batting average per se for Arias and Naylor. But you're still looking for good at-bats. By the way, Naylor goes 2 for 4 on the day with the double and the RBI. Uh, You're looking for good at-bats from those guys. You're looking for good baseball from those guys over the rest of the season. Because they're going to be important, important pieces. Uh, for your team next year, for your 2024 team. They have to be. They absolutely have to be. This team is built on these rookies developing. And, I mean, Arias, I'm going to be honest here. Uh, I was listening to a little of the Selby's podcast, and they were talking about the players most important for the rest of the season. And Arias is kind of giving me those Yandy Diaz vibes, where if we get the right person in his ear and we get him the right approach at the plate, I think I think there's the potential to unlock a really, really good hitter in Gabriel Arias. And he's the guy. He's the guy I worry about of all the rookies, of them giving up too soon. 
right, of them packaging him in a trade, and then he goes somewhere else and becomes an all-star. That's He's the Yandy Diaz of these rookies right now that, that I'm really, really concerned that this team might give up too early on. And at the same time, it is really hard to have that kind of patience, right? Uh, Giovanni Urshela was the same way, right? We, we tried to be patient with him. Uh, even his next stop after Cleveland, it didn't work. It wasn't until he got to New York where he kind of unlocked himself as a hitter. And uh, so, yeah, so Arias is very, very young uh, still. I, I know it feels like you've been hearing his name for a long time, but he's still 23 years old. And that whole thing they've talked about the last few days about these guys have more at-bats in the major leagues than in the minors, and they're getting called up so young. You wouldn't expect in the 90s, right? You wouldn't, ex- this guy would be 25, 26 years old and coming up. And now they're coming up at 22, 23 years old. And, uh, and you're putting the weight of the world on their shoulders. So there's still time for Gabriel Arias to develop into a Yandy Diaz type hitter. And man, I, I really want to see that happen in a Cleveland uniform this time. So uh, it's nice to see Arias and Bo Naylor, both of them, back up over 200 and both have good games here, even though the Guardians, uh, you know, obviously get their butts kicked in this second game. Shout out to some good base running, too. Oh, some bad base running and some good base running. I think it was, was it, was it Brennan who was on first, or and uh, Arias was on third when they, uh, when they get that run home in the second. That's right. That was one of the runs that come home in the second inning before Bo Naylor doubled. Before Bo Naylor hits his double uh, in that second inning, it was Brennan and Gabriel Arias on. Brennan gets picked off of first trying to steal, and he's caught in a rundown between first and second. But Gabriel Arias has absolute perfect timing from third base. As soon as that throw goes back to first, he breaks for home, and he beats the throw home by a good step or two. Like He was safe. That No question. No challenge. No question. He beat him. And so they survive a pickle. And then Bo Naylor is able to double in Will Brennan. So that's how they got their two runs. And so shout out to some, well, some bad base running that turned into some good base running, right? Uh, a heads up play by Gabriel Arias. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. If you're going to go, you got to go. You put your head down, you go. And no hesitation. And that's what Gabriel Arias showed on that play. So, all right. Uh, wrapping it up there, MVP over the two days over the double header. I'm actually going to go with Gabriel Arias. I. It was a, it was a solid game too, uh, you know. Not much in game one. He does have one of our one of our four hits from game one, uh, a couple of walks in that game, but not many base runners for the Guardians. Um, the only run we scored in that game was on the Manny Ramirez or the Manny Ramirez. Boy, I think he's on my mind right now. Uh, the Jose Ramirez solo home run in that first inning off of Clayton Kershaw. Uh, but I thought Gabriel Arias had you know had himself a good two days. Uh, and so he's taking home MVP on the day. All right, Jeff in Palo Alto, here you go. Here is your rookie report. So I pulled up fan graphs. And remember, we got a lot of rookies here this season. We got Tanner Bybee. We got Logan Allen. We got Gavin Williams. We got Xavier Curry. We got Hunter Gaddis. And we've got Peyton Battenfield. Now, I'm not going to go through uh, all of these guys. Uh, I'm probably going to leave Gaddis off and Peyton Battenfield for most of these. But... Curry, Williams, Logan Allen, and Tanner Bybee. Let's let's talk some numbers here. Uh, Bybee has the most starts at 20. Logan Allen is right behind him at 19. Gavin Williams is at 12. I know Curry has more appearances, but he's got seven starts. So we're going to look at his starts. 
As far as records go, Tanner Bybee at 9-3 is the best of them. Gavin Williams is 1-5. Um, K's per 9, it is Gavin Williams leading the way at 9.56. You're going to see here that Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams are pretty similar. Pretty similar in their rookie year so far. K's per 9, uh, Gavin, uh, Gavin Williams is at 9.56. Bybee right behind him at 8.87. Logan Allen not far behind at 8.71. Xavier Curry only at 5.67 Ks per nine. Uh, walks per nine, uh, everybody's up over three except for Tanner Bybee. He's at 2.85. So he's going to probably have the best ratio there. Uh, Bat Bip, Logan Allen is having the worst luck. He's at a 302 uh, batting average on balls in play. Whereas Bybee and Williams are both at in the two nines. And Curry's actually at the 268. He's had the best luck of any of them. Um, the highest ground ball percentage goes to Logan Allen at 43.5%. Bybee and Williams are both in the mid 30s. Um, what else we got here? ERA, as far as the ERA goes, Tanner Bybee is the best of them at 3.01. Uh, Logan Allen would be next at 3.31. Williams at 3.52. And Curry at 4.33. Uh, and FIP, uh, also Tanner Bybee is the best at 3.63. Uh, no surprise. He has the least amount of walks there. Um, and then as far as war goes now, it might be just because he started the most games, but it is Tanner Bybee leading in F4. It's 2.4, uh, 1.7 for Logan Allen. Again, maybe because he's had more starts than Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams is at 1.1 and Xavier Curry is at 0.5. All right, let's get into some more advanced numbers here. Let's take a look at ERA minus. Let's take a look at uh, you know where they are compared to the rest of the league. And Tanner Bybee is still leading the way at an ERA. Now, remember, a minus stat, you want to be below 100, where those like plus stats, like OPS plus and things like that, you want to be above 100. Uh, Bybee is at 70 ERA minus, so he's 30% better than league average. Um, Logan Allen is at 77 ERA minus, and Gavin Williams at 82 Whereas Xavier Curry is pretty much league average. He's 101. So Tanner Bybee leading the way there again uh, when you're kind of comparing him to the rest of the league. Um, win probability added. Uh, again, it's uh, Tanner Bybee leading the way at 1.87, whereas Logan Allen is at 0.62 and Gavin Williams is at 0.57. Xavier Curry is actually, as a starter, had a negative win probability added at zero, negative uh, 0.32. So Tanner Bybee leading the way there as well. Um, what else can I tell you here? Uh, as far as just uh, some standard counting numbers go, uh, Tanner Bybee is leading the way with 112 strikeouts. Logan Allen has 100. Gavin Williams has 68. Uh, Xavier Curry only has 17. He is not a strikeout pitcher. Um, and Bybee, it's a good, it's a good strikeout to walk ratio. Um, let's take a look at that one right there. Peyton Battenfield is actually the best at this at 3.13, but uh, Bybee is at 3.11 strikeout to walk ratio. Gavin Williams is next at 2.62. Logan Allen is at 2.5. And then Xavier uh, Curry down there at 1.55. Now, uh, what about their pitches? Uh, let's take a look at their pitch value. 
And uh, the best fastball, the award for best fastball goes to Tanner Bybee, who's got a weighted value on his fastball of 7.2. Gavin Williams is next at 3.7. You know, these numbers have changed since the first time I looked at them. I got to be honest, Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee were kind of close. I wonder if that start yesterday really threw off Gavin Williams' numbers here. Uh, 3.7 value on his fastball, so still a, a nice positive value on that fastball. Uh, Curry's is at minus 0.5. Logan Allen's is at minus 2.5. Uh, he also throws a cutter, but its value is at minus 2.2 for Logan Allen. Uh, the slider, uh, the award for best slider of rookie pitchers goes to Tanner Bybee again. 6.0 weighted value on his slider. This data comes from StatCast. Uh, Gavin Williams has a weighted value of 4.4 on his slider. Xavier Curry actually has a 3.9 weighted value on his slider. So he's got the third best slider. Logan Allen comes in at 1.2. Um, Allen doesn't throw a, you know, a curveball, uh, but the best curveball actually goes to Hunter Gaddis. So none of these guys have a very good curveball. Uh, Bybee's has a negative 2.5. Gavin Williams has a negative 3.8. So uh, nobody has a great curveball. Uh, the changeup is where Logan Allen finally shines. Finally shines. His changeup has a weighted value of plus 5.5. Tanner Bybee's has a plus value of 0. 0.9. Uh, Gavin Williams is the worst of the group at minus 3.2 on his changeup. So Logan Allen does finally shine with that changeup. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, there is... Uh, some of the data from those rookies. You can see Tanner Bybee really is. the He's been the best of them. Uh, Gavin Williams, I think, was up there for a while, but has really, really fallen back, um, you know, uh, as far as... Uh, and maybe it just was this really bad start against the Dodgers, but he has fallen back uh, against uh, compared to some of these other guys here. Um, did I not find whip is whip not on fan graphs anywhere? Oh, if I can't, Oh, there it is. There's whip, uh, walks, hits per innings pitched. Uh, the lowest whip actually goes to Peyton Battenfield at 1.19. Uh, Tanner Bybee is next at 1.21. Gavin Williams is at 1.28. So very, it's very good from those guys. Uh, Xavier Curry is not far behind at 1.3. Logan Allen at 1.34 and Hunter Gaddis at 1.34. Frankly, as far as whip goes, walks, hits per innings pitched, uh, these are all respectable-ish. They're all respectable-ish. Uh, really, really quickly, I went back and looked at Shane Bieber and Savali and Plesak and Plutko. Yeah, he was a rookie, too, at the same time as Bieber. And their rookie seasons, Bieber and Plutko, I believe, were in the 2018 season, whereas Savali and Plesak were in the 2019 season. But I was able to combine the data here on Fangraphs and Bieber was the most successful. He was 11 and 4, uh, but he did carry a 4.25 ERA. Savali was only 3 for 4 in 10 starts. He had the least amount of starts. Plucko actually had more starts than me. He had 12 starts. But uh, Savali might have been the best of them. Uh, he had a 2.34 ERA compared to Bieber that had a 4.25 ERA. Now, Bieber did have the best FIP fielding independent pitching, which is just looking at. Walks, strikeouts, and home runs, the thing the pitcher can control. Uh, Bieber had a 2.96. Uh, Savali had a 3.4. Plesek had a 4.94. And Plucko had a 5.78. As far as war goes, Bieber was the leader in his rookie season with 
Savali was a 1.5. Plesek was a 0.9. So all positive war there. They all added positive value. Um, but as we get into some of the more advanced numbers, uh, Savali really did uh, have a pretty good run here. Strikeout to walk ratio. Obviously, Shane Bieber was a strikeout machine. 5.57 Ks per walk ratio. Remember, uh, we said uh, Tanner Bybee, well, Battenfield was kind of the best, but Bybee was at 311, and he's having a very good rookie season. Shane Bieber was at 5.57. Oh, man, that is really, really good. Uh, as far as whip goes, it was Aaron Savali at 1.04 whip. Bieber actually had the highest at 1.3, higher than Plucko at 1.28. Uh, as far as ERA minus goes, it was Aaron Savali with a 51 ERA minus in his rookie year. Uh, Plesek at an 82. Beaver was only at a 97 ERA minus. And Plucko was at a 120. Um, so there's a little bit. You can see that, like I said, Bieber might have had the most success in his rookie season. But Savali was very good as a rookie. Savali has been a hot and cold pitcher his entire career uh, here in Cleveland. Uh, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame we had to trade him. It really is. Um, I'm wondering, uh, wondering how he's doing, uh, (laughs) since going to, uh, since going to Tampa Bay in four starts so far in Tampa Bay, he's one and one with a three, five, four ERA. Uh, he's got a one, three, three whip. So, all right, not fantastic. 20 strikeouts to two walks. Uh, only giving up one home run. Uh, in 20 innings pitched. So uh, he's doing all right. He's doing all right since going to Tampa Bay. He was pitching better in Cleveland. He was carrying a 234 ERA in Cleveland. So his ERA is up a whole point since going to Tampa Bay. He had a 1.04 whip this season in Cleveland. So uh, Savali uh, is doing okay for Tampa Bay, but was definitely doing better in Cleveland. So there you go. There's my rookie pitching report. You can see how Tanner Bybee is definitely been the best of them whereas Gavin Williams has those strikeouts uh Bybee has probably been the best pitcher of the group all right that's all my thoughts thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning thanks for uh you know hanging with me through the rookie pitching report answering Jeff from Palo Alto's email finally uh Jeff with a J so that's gonna wrap things up here we uh we're traveling now we're heading up to Toronto we got a game tonight, and Bybee's on the mound uh, going up against Bassett for the Blue Jays. So it's going to be a tough series up there in Toronto, and then we go to Minnesota. So it's going to be – and then we get Tampa Bay at home and Minnesota at home. So, boy, and then we face L.A. Who with who knows who's going to be healthy for them by the time we go out to face them in San Francisco. Then Texas. My God, we've got a tough stretch of baseball here against some winning, winning teams. So – uh, we'll keep looking for our positives. Uh, clearly Gabriel Arias was a positive. Um, there were some other positives from this, from this series against the Dodgers, but, uh, uh, you know, from the, from the two games yesterday, uh, I think Gabriel Arias was my biggest positive. All right. So we'll keep tracking them. We'll keep watching baseball. We'll keep enjoying the summer, the rest of summer, what we got left and, uh, enjoying our baseball team. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. If you've got a big question like Jeff and Palo Alto did, you know, his rookie pitching recap, uh, hit me up. 
Let me know. I'll try to do a deep dive for you. It might take me a couple days to pull the data together to find the time to do the research. But uh, if you got some big questions for me, go ahead. And obviously, we've got to talk about, you know, just who are you locking in on? Who are you watching for the rest of September, for the rest of the season? Uh, who are your keys to finishing strong in 2023 so that we can come back and take another run at this thing and 2024? All right. So uh, hit me up, Mornings at gmail.com. You know the rest. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thank you.